Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Speak Up podcast. It is good to be here, and it's a beautiful day in May of 2021, and I have a very exciting guest. His name is Rob Barnett. He has a book out called Next Job, Best Job, A Headhunter's 11 Strategies to Getting Hired Now. Rob is a very interesting guy. He is not only a headhunter, but he's also a management executive. He's an author. He's a podcaster, an entrepreneur. He has a strong background in media. In fact, he founded Rob Barnett Media. He's hired creative people, management people. He's had senior management roles at MTV, VH1, Audible, Amazon. And he was even president of programming of CBS Radio. And Rob is a digital pioneer. He has a channel with a very good name called My Damn Channel. And it was one of the first original online studios and networks. So Rob represents all kinds of career tracks and companies and opportunities in his role as a headhunter. He has a multi-platform content that he helps people to land that next job. He's got this book coming out. But best of all, he has no patience for resumes that go on and on and on and impersonal, boring cover letters. So Rob is going to help you land that next job. Maybe we can get some tips on hiring because a lot of times I get pulled in for (laughs) when we have hiring mistakes. So like how to avoid those. So here we go. Welcome, Rob. Thank you so much. It's really nice to connect with you. Well, it is very nice to connect with you and tell us like, so how did you get from media to being a headhunter? Like, what was that path like? And you also somehow passed through rock and roll. Like, how did that happen? (laughs) Well, that's a first love that I'm never going to pass through. I'm always going to be stuck inside of that one. That was my first passion. You know, I started my career as a disc jockey working at rock radio stations. And then I got moved up into that strange place called management. And I did that for the first of my, I guess, nine cat lives. Then I moved to television and I had a long run at both MTV and VH1. That was an incredible experience. I was taught how to be a manager by some of the greatest visionary executives in all of media and entertainment. It was one of the funnest jobs of my life. Um, And uh, I had all kinds of experiences. You know, TV led me to film. Film led me to online video and digital media and the whole YouTube ecosystem. That led me to audiobooks. I had this great, great run. But to answer your question, I got stuck. And I got stuck really badly, caught in a place that we gave kind of a funny name to, just so it would be a little less depressing. We called it hashtag IBJA, I-B-J-A, standing for In Between Jobs Again. And that time around, this is now the beginning of 2018, Mm -hmm. I started to see something that I didn't know really 
too badly in the earlier parts of my career, I started to confront ghosting and people just never responding to some of the the best emails or cover letters I could ever send. I would have interviews that I thought were home runs and they'd say, we'll be back in touch. And then they wouldn't. I was literally losing my marbles. And so one morning with no game plan, I pressed record on my iPhone video and I just started talking spontaneously for about two minutes about how awful it was to be stuck out of work. And I said, look, it's not me. There's a lot of my friends in the same boat. So I uploaded the video before I got too scared about how dumb it was. I uploaded it to LinkedIn and Facebook. This is about 9 a.m. And by the time it got to dinner time, there were over 600 comments and about 16,000 views on this one weird video from a guy going on about being out of work. And so you can guess what I did the next day. I woke up and did it again (laughs) and did it again, did it again. So now we're about eight days into this and my phone is blowing up and I still don't know exactly where it's leading. But a guy called and said, hey, I met you a long time ago at MTV. I am looking to hire a chief operating officer is that what you do? Or are you a headhunter? And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. And, And then I Googled all of the questions that I thought he would be asking me next. Mm -hmm. And I swear to God, I I faked it. You know, Mm -hmm. I just gave him all the right answers because I Googled it. And then my whole brain changed. It just really, really became uh, somewhat of a calling at that point. And all the pieces in my mind started to fall into place. Here we are, you know, three something years later, getting mm-hmm. people hired at an, at an increasing rate and then getting an agent to come out of left field and say, I think you should write a book. <laughs> yes. Well, definitely. This is a very timely book. It's, I think, very much tuned the current situation. And Rob, what I think is your, your path reminds me a little bit of my own in that 12 years ago when I opened my company, also having no idea what I was doing and c- calling myself a communication coach. Like I'd never heard of that. I knew that there were life coaches and executive coaches. But I think that there is tremendous value in stepping into an industry as a newbie with a a totally different point of view, not knowing how it's supposed to be and making it work. What do you think? (laughs) You know what? No one's ever said that to me before. And I really appreciate it. Maybe, Maybe that was an unimagined ingredient in the success of it because I really didn't know how to do it. So I just did it from the heart. I said, if, you know, I'm going to act more like a candidate Mm -hmm. than a typical headhunter, because guess what? Every candidate feels disrespected, not listened to, not responded to, you know, all of that stuff. And I just felt like if I could give them, if I could give every job seeker just half of the responsiveness that I was craving for, 
maybe that would be a little bit different than these typical big headhunter firms that all kind of come across like insurance agencies. Oh my gosh. And some of those behaviors that you described, the ghosting, I mean, I'm in here in Charleston, South Carolina, I will call that, that would be rude. There's just, you know, there's no reason why you can't send a quick message and say, sorry, but we're not going to pursue you. But Anyway, that's a topic for another conversation. Yeah, so, well, it's in the book, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know I, I, that email to me, you know, I, actually, you know what I did in the book? I don't know if you, you got to this part. I go back in the time machine to the first person that refused to respond to Laura's email. And I just say, can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to write a response to Laura right now. And you're going to go, I, thank you for contacting us. I'm sorry to tell you that we filled the position and I hope you'll stay in touch with us. And then you're going to change the entire world by not being another ghoster. Right. Or other words we could call, but this is a other words. This is a family show, Laura. It's a family show. Absolutely. (laughs) So, Rob, I have this rumor that I just cannot wait to get your scoop on because All right. I hear, you know, I'm talking to technical, not all technical, but mostly technical meaning software, finance, accounting, compliance people all day long and some HR people. And there's this rumor that everybody's about to go hunt for a new job that they've been hanging on under COVID, you know, just making it work. And, and a lot of people do feel overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain out exhausted. So are you expecting like a big, like explosion of people starting to look for jobs any minute now? Well, it is happening and you're you're seeing it in the news every day. I mean, we went from the agony of 41 million people unemployed during the worst of COVID to a situation now where there are many, many jobs out there that companies are having a hard time filling because there's either an overabundance of candidates, depending on what kind of a role this is, or in some cases, there's just a whole bunch of debate going on about whether or not companies are going to insist on you and I sitting in a chair eight hours a day in an office versus remote versus some kind of hybrid. So there's so much up in the air right now in the employment state of mind that there's a lot of chaos. And what we're trying to do in this book is help people control the one thing that you can control, which is who you are, who you want to be as a professional. And then this other thing that so many people seem to have an icky feeling about, how to market yourself and how to put yourself out there in the most effective way so that you're able to get the kind of jobs you want and not have to settle for just the next job. Right, right. Okay, so your position is just be prepared and uh, use these 11 strategies to, to find your best job. So I know, we, we of course, we want to get the whole enchilada, guys. You have to buy next job, best job, which is 
an easy read. It's very, it's just like you hear Rob talking. His book reads just like that. So it's uh, very helpful. But just say I'm a project manager in a tech company, a product manager, you know, some, some position like that. What would be my first step? And because you talked, I, I, I remember correctly about think putting some thought into like what it does that next. What do you want it to look like? Right. You're saying if you're a product manager, you're saying, how do you move up in the chain of command where you are? Is that your question? Well, just, yeah. Like how do I, how do and I, and I'm, you know, like 27 years old. I don't even know. I know my boss's job. I don't know, think I can get that, but What's the best way for somebody to start preparing for the next job, best job? Well, there's two sides of a coin here, right? The one that I'm hearing you talk about is a lovely one. That's the person that is currently employed Mm -hmm. in a position where they want to grow. So let's call that heads on a coin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, now let's flip the coin and say tails and you know where tails is. Mm -hmm. You're sitting on your tail. You know, you're, right. you're, you're home, you're out of work. Truthfully, the book was written a bit more to the tail side than mm-hmm. the head side, because you're talking to somebody who was really stuck, as I said, at the beginning mm-hmm. of our, our conversation mm-hmm. and, and really hurting, but, but let's do heads first. Okay. Mm-hmm. With heads. One of the things that I talk about in the book is the essential need to make sure that you are constantly building the best communication possible with your boss. And that goes for bosses who are good at giving regular performance reviews. And it especially goes for bosses that are terrible at checking in with their employees and giving regular performance reviews. Because what we talk about in the book is situations where you may have done this one little thing on a Thursday afternoon at three o'clock that really ticked that person off, the boss. And if that little thing is never brought out into the open and discussed in some kind of timely fashion, Well, this is the thing in real life that not only eventually leads to divorce, but in the in the work in in the workplace, that little thing, if gone unattended to for months and months and months, or in my case, once for over a year, Mm -hmm. it can create such a bad vibe and bad energy in the workplace that there's a secret animosity going on that you either somewhat aware of, not aware of, not sure. And that product manager is probably never going to get promoted. But the product manager in that job that's getting over the fear of making sure there's enough access to the boss, we call it in the book, I think there's a subhead in one of the chapters and make believe we're sitting in a restaurant, you know, like the old days mm-hmm. when we used to go to restaurants. Right. And, and the subhead is check, please, because it <laughs> means you got to go to your boss and say, hey, can we have a check-in? And by the way, don't worry, I'm not even hitting you up for a raise because I know it's only been six months that I've been here, whatever it is. I just want to sit down for 20 or 30 minutes and say, hey, how am I doing? 
And I'm okay. I'm ready to hear constructive criticism because I want this relationship to succeed. So that's probably the best tip I can give you for the head side of the coin, right? On the tail side of the coin, most of the book is written to people who are stuck Mm -hmm. and who need to really pull themselves together in in part one of the book. We're getting over all the angst, fear, agony, pain, worry, horror, you know. The, right, the, the, the demons the, you mentioned, the I demons. remember. Yeah, the demons that'll destroy your confidence. Then in the second part of the book, we're focusing on how to figure out what your most specific best, best path forward can be. And then in the in the third part of the book, we're very prescriptively going through, all right, now that you know who you want to be, let's write the resume in a specific way. Let's write that cover letter, not like an algorithmic robot, Mm -hmm. but like a vibrant, inspiring human being Mm -hmm. that's actually talking to Laura, you know, the woman Mm -hmm. that's going to be my boss. You know, we're trying to teach people how to do the silliest thing in the world, which is be a human being. I don't know why, you know, we, we mock it in the book, but we have some fake cover letters and we have some fake, you know, I have 18 years of experience and a proven track record of success. Oh and guess, and, and guess yes. what else I have? A demonstrated history of oral and written communication oh, skills. No. And it, it makes me want to jump out of the book and go, yeah, you know why? Because you're an adult and you're a professional. Right, <laughs> but you're also you know, boring. You're boring, you know? And, and, and so we're teaching a very human way to sell yourself. And then the last part, and I, I'm going to offend a few of your listeners who okay. are human resources executives. But mm-hmm. look, at this point, we need HR to make sure we're healthy physically and mentally. We need HR to make sure we clearly understand the, the rules and regulations of this company so that we get all the bad actors out of the workplace and we have people who treat each other well and respect each other. But when it comes to recruiting, HR people are so busy doing all the other survival needs of a company that their HR skills are sometimes, let's just agree, a little bit slower than the average job candidate needs it to be. Mm-hmm. So we're teaching in this book how to run around those gatekeepers and get to the decision makers where you can speed your job search up by three months, four months. Oh, that is so good. Well, you know, Rob, one situation I talk to people about it on the t- more, this is it's kind of on the tail side, but let's say that they know they're going to be reorged out, right? They yep. have three months or two months or one month or one week or five minutes, but um, five minutes, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, but through- I, I just wanted to give you time to take this in, but we, we need you the heck out of here. Right. <laughs> right. And it's through no fault of your own, but you know, yeah. the reorg is a, is a real thing. And they asked me, you know, about, well, Laura, I know I can get this other job, but I really don't want it. But I feel like if I don't, if I take that job, I don't really want, then it'll be easier for me to get the job that I do want. So what's your take on that? Oh, I love that you asked this question. Well, um, first of all, chapter one in the book is called, 
It's called It's Not yeah, Just it's business. business. And the reason why I called it that is because so many people I know, including this boy, have been fired with the line that says, it's not personal, it's just business. Uh, so so, so I hate that line. And everybody that's ever been given that line, especially when they say, hey, listen, um, I need to talk to you for a minute. And like you said, you need to get out of here in five minutes. And they go, it's not personal. Well, of course it's personal. You right. just, you know, how am I going to feed my kids and pay the mortgage, right? right. So, so we're saying to people about your really important question is, I call it simply the straight line theory. And the straight line theory says that if I know in my heart and in my mind, and based on my experience, if I know that I want to be, give me a job title, give me one that comes to your mind, first job. Uh, Vice president of uh, controlling. Finance. Yeah. If, if I know that I'm ready to have a senior level role like VP of finance, and that's where I'm supposed to be, and now give me a type of company. Consumer goods. Right. In consumer goods, VP finance, and I'm trying, trying, trying to get that job. But then, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, somebody calls up and says, hey, look, I know this, you know, isn't exactly what you're doing right now, but my husband owns a business that is, you know, doing gangbusters in real estate and they just need somebody, you know, in here to kind of, you know, really take over the finances of this and clean up the books, et cetera, et cetera. You know, are you interested in a role like that? Mm-hmm. The answer in my opinion, should be no. The answer should be no. Because, you know, the idea of just taking the next job, if you know in your heart and soul that it's not the kind of work you want to be doing, is the wrong move to make in your career because you're just not going to be right. Mm -hmm. You're not. You're always going to be second-guessing yourself. You're always going to know, you know, that, that you're somehow not lined up straight with the work that you ultimately want to do. So what I would do if I was that woman is I would take, follow this now, I'd take a director level job in finance at the, at the, at the consumer products company, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. knowing I'm where I want to be, knowing that I'm going to prove to them in about a year that I'm VP material. I'd take even less money Mm-hmm. to know that I'm in the right path doing the work I really want to be doing. Okay. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Only, but there's the, all, then there's a the problem though, that sometimes they won't offer it to you because the company's like, well, I know that you're used to making more money and for, you know, they don't offer it for that reason. Or maybe that's just a, something they say. Well, we, we've got a funny little subhead in the book about that one. We call it tame the elephant, meaning mm-hmm. there's often an elephant in the room during interviews. You know, right. you're too this, you're too that, you're too old, you're too senior, you're too junior. You're, you know, I, I think that rather than let all those thoughts drive you mad, mm-hmm. it's important if you know that there are going to be some judgmental assumptions made of you, 
mm-hmm. in the room or or you've picked up on some awkward hints during that magic 30-minute interview. I think it's your job as the head of your own circus to grab that <laughs> elephant, bring it in the room and say, listen, you know, I have the feeling you think I'm overqualified for this job. Let me explain to you exactly why this is the next best move for me right now. And it's not about the title. It's even not about the money. It's about the fact that this is the right place for me at the right time. And if I deliver for you, I'll move up and grow later. I want to be here rather than like secretly not saying it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you don't yeah. confront these things, then they're yeah. going to call you back three weeks later and go, Laura, you were fantastic. But, you know, in the end, we decided, say it with me, you were overqualified. Right. You know? <laughs> say it with me. So I feel like, oh. I feel like if you know that it's going to end up that way, yes. get over the fear of it and right. have at it. Yes, you know? I love that. Just say it. Just get say it out. It. Yeah. And even if they even if they come back with say it with me, you're ever qualified. At least you had the guts, the courage to address. They're going to respect that. They're going to exactly. respect that. You're going to respect yourself. Hey, too. that's the best part, right? Right. So yeah, because because here's one of the worst right. things we deal with with candidates every time. And and boy, I'm trying not to let my companies get away with this anymore. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for the five interviews with our whole senior team. We decided to go, say it with me, in another, another direction. direction. Oh. Then, then the first thing you always want to know is, hey, Rob, I'm sorry, but like, did I get, did they give you a reason? Was there any, mm-hmm. was there any feedback as to why it wasn't me? It would really help me in my next interviews to know where. I might have done a better job. And then even headhunters usually say, gee, I'm sorry, I I just don't know. They passed. What I've been doing now in COVID where the whole world's Mm -hmm. been sad Mm -hmm. is I've been sometimes asking nicely, sometimes begging my hiring managers Mm -hmm. to tell me the real reason. And then if sometimes they think the real reason is just a little too, I'll use a weird word, edgy, Mm -hmm then I'm going to say, well, then let's be straight up honest with what we can tell them. Mm Because I don't want to just say pass. I want to give these people Mm -hmm. the respect of a reason, you know? Right. Well, I believe that we need to know the truth. Without the truth, you can't make a good decision. And without a good decision, you can't have a good outcome. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of a novel idea. Like, just tell me. I love yeah. your approach. It's just, there's a lot of fear around saying things these days. How are you seeing a Zoom affecting the job search pro- process? Well, clearly it's become as essential as breathing and you've got to master it. And people who at this point you know, in the COVID outbreak till today, Mm -hmm. whatever day you're listening to this podcast, come on, there's no excuse anymore to not have perfect lighting, perfect audio, perfect non-stupid background. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no excuse anymore. This has become quickly the standard. And I believe that even if you see companies putting a large percentage of their workforce back into the workplace, 
you're still going to see a lot of interviewing done on Zoom. It's just too efficient for all sides, right? It, especially, it so especially if I'm in the great state of New Jersey and you're in Charleston. Well, we just saved each other a bunch of money, didn't we? Right. Time and energy. Exactly. So and let- speaking of New Jersey and speaking of Charleston, guess who lives in Charleston? I do. Don't tell me you do. Nope. I'm in New Jersey, but the most important person at Rob Barnett Media isn't me. It's my right-hand person and our manager, Amanda, who lives in Charleston. And you're going to love this. We've been working together for a long time, but during COVID, we've never met. (laughs) What? (laughs) We work together a hundred you know, times a day, but mm-hmm. we've never met. Well, I want to meet her. I can go have coffee with them. You guys need to go hang. Yes, definitely. <laughs> right? That's so cool. Well, Amanda must be a very smart person if she's living here in Charleston. So she's awesome. I look forward to connecting with her. So, what is your take on email thank you notes versus paper thank you notes? Wow. Well. I love that you asked that question. So let me ask you one back before I give you my my little Rob answer. It sounds like you're somebody who does them. You send them out. You write them. You lick stamps. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't have to lick. <laughs> you don't have to lick stamps anymore. You don't have to lick them. They're they're, they're self stickers adhesive. now. <laughs> they're stickers. You 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 peel and stick stamps. <laughs> I do because I love I love them, but. It takes time to get there. So I, I end up recommending both like a quick, it was great meeting you. Da, 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 da. And wow. You know, Honestly, I'm really things. touched by the fact that you do it. So, so my answer, you kind of hinted at my answer, yeah. you know, look, when you're on a job search, I don't feel like a lot of folks, unless there's some secret, you know, bank account in Switzerland or a lot of money stuffed <laughs> under the mattress, time is of the essence. So mm-hmm. I would, of course, favor what we actually preach in the book is that you know when you've been interviewed you need to email back a thank you and we even talk very specifically i don't want to take too much of your time Mm -hmm. but but we talk very specifically about how to write the thank you note but as far as timing which is your question i always say unless you were interviewed late in the day of a work day Mm -hmm. your thank you email needs to arrive the same day of the interview And if it was late in the day, it needs to arrive first thing the following morning, because I just believe that if you can prove that you are extremely responsive to your potential new employer, you're checking a really important box, let alone being professional, courteous, and all the other obvious things. Having said that, I think it's beautiful that you write hand notes. And in my experience... That is very, very rare these days. Therefore, brilliant because it's going to stand out in a really personal way. Yes. I mean, for me, it's been very good for marketing. And because you can say it's unusual or you could say she's really weird. But I definitely love hand cards. And I collect like funny ones to send to people. And Well, you're talking to a guy that used to hand write hundreds of Christmas cards with specific individual messages every year. Now, I can't say I've done that for the last many years because I've 
become too much of a an iPhone junkie, but but I used to do it, and and I do think that that's a really interesting touch in a job search. But but let's agree then that we don't want to wait for the sometimes exactly yeah the screwed timing. up U.S. post right. office to exactly. get there. No yeah. no no no. And what I learned this year with COVID is that if they're working from home, you can't get their home address. I mean, you can, but it might be Good awkward. Good point. Good point. Yes. Oh, that's a real problem. Yes. We've, been having that, we've been having that problem trying to get interviews for the book because a lot of the people are no longer in their workplace. You know, Right. And then if you yep. look up their address on Google and reach them that way, then they feel creeped out or they can't. Then you're, I was going to say, then you're a creep. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, so I've become very sleuthy about, you know, making sure I have people's address, but it, it's still a very dicey thing. But if you can get it in the mail and nice you can get touch, the address, man. really, Really a nice, nice touch. touch. Yeah, really nice touch. But, but the email is the non-negotiable. That card mm-hmm. is a nice to have. You got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. And, you know, we have, I won't go into the length of it now, but in the book, we say what needs to be in that thank you Mm -hmm. note. It's a lot Mm -hmm. more than, hey, thanks. I'm really looking. You know, we we give some real specific tips on that. Right. Because you you don't want anything generic. Yeah. But please throw your 20 bucks at us and get that from the book. (laughs) Oh, yes. It was, it's very, it's a fun read. All right. So I want us to give a little, I want uh, us, meaning you, <laughs> to give a little help to people on the hiring side. Like, what are you seeing? What can be helpful? What's your tip for getting that good hire? Oh, that's great. Well, listen, we spend a lot of time in the beginning of every job search with the hiring manager, making sure first that that job description is written within an inch of its life. Let's really be upfront about exactly what you're looking for. And again, don't say written and oral communications. Don't, don't put the nonsense in there. Let's get really specific about what the top priorities are that are needed in this candidate. And then on the phone, or on the Zoom, (laughs) we're really talking a lot about the exact range of salary for that position on the low end, on the high end, and on the, oh my God, we just found the rock star and we're going to have to go to the boss's 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 boss to get the the maximum dollar. We not only want to get that crystal clear with the companies that are doing the hiring, we make sure in the first ever interviews with our candidates that we understand what their real financial needs are right up front, right away. Because again, respectfully, we don't want to waste anybody's time. Right. You know, why, why go on two or three interviews hoping they're going to come back with some number that you're going to love if it turns out that you were $75,000, you know, out of the ballpark, you've wasted all that time. So thing one, really specific job descriptions. Thing two, very clear range of of salary. Thing three, we've talked about it a bunch on this call, but how can you not in the age of, of the pandemic, real clarity as best as they know on the location for this position, whether there's any flexibility in a remote 
schedule that's either partially remote or completely remote. And then most importantly, and maybe this is what makes us different from a lot of other people, uh, a lot of other recruiting firms rather, is we really want to know as much as we possibly can about how the manager likes to manage their people. And we ask the candidates how they like to be managed. We get kind of a little psychological about this okay. whole thing Very to, good. Make, to make sure that as you would want from the world's greatest dating coach, right. we're matchmakers, right? right? We're matchmakers. And, and, and whether you know what a Myers-Briggs personality test is or not, let's just agree that some kind of flavors of ice cream go well together in the bowl mm -hmm, and others mm -hmm. don't. So mm -hmm. I think that it's really important to find out what kind of people they want. And then I'm going to end on one last thing. There's a million more, but I'm just going to end right. on one last thing. The age of the all white men in every job is over, over, over. And what's changed radically in the last couple of years is not just the talk about diversity, but the real practice of diversity so that in every single search now, it's on the company and it's on the recruiting firm to make sure that there is a variety of candidates from every walk of life, you know, mm -hmm. every background so that all people have a shot and then may the best candidate win. Mm -hmm. That's really different because I'm telling you, in my corporate life, we would go to, you know, endless town hall meetings and trainings and, you know, let's really try to give different people access to the leadership roles. And, you know, yeah. it was a yeah, bunch yeah. of talk. It's a bunch of talk. Well, that's, that's changed and that's changed for the good. And, you know, I've gotten plenty of old white guys hired, but, but I've gotten plenty of not old white guys hired. Okay. It's really, and I'm an old white guy. It's, mm -hmm. it's time for this to change and it's changing. All right. Yes, it is definitely, it's a different world out there. And, uh, it's, I think, uh, that's great to hear that it really is uh, talent driven, propensity driven as far as what I like that, you know, trying to match. This is how I like to work with this is how we like to work with people, like really taking that into consideration in the fit. You know, it's getting that good fit of boss or team member and team. What do you think about these companies i know a lot of the tech companies are taking like months to from beginning to end as far as the hiring process like it's it's really it's almost a full-time job to be in the hiring funnel for uh, you know i won't mention any names but the big company well yeah let's know i i worked at audible which is an amazon mm -hmm. company so the so-called fang companies facebook apple netflix google mm -hmm. yep they take forever. There's 10 trillion interviews. It goes on and on and on and on and on. I'm not a fan. <laughs> not okay. A fan. I was going to say, I, if you, if you had any, like, is it better? Do they get better hires? Well, it's a fair question. You know what? I think it's fair to say that 
the process for some of the biggest tech companies in the world is so brutal that they do end up with excellent candidates. But if we didn't all get a lesson in 2020 called life is too short, I don't know mm-hmm. when we're going to get that right, lesson. Right, 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 right. Well, this has been so interesting. I so enjoy getting your insider insight into the jobs market. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out, you know, with the economy, you know, some would say it's kind of wonky. And then we've got people coming out of COVID. It's so interesting. Another interesting aspect we don't have time to go into, but as you alluded to it earlier, there's all all the rumors about, we want you back at work September 7th. Well, I don't want to go back to work. I bought a farm and I can do my job remotely, but we want to. And I don't like wearing pants. Yeah, I don't like wearing pants. How about the commute, you know? Well, think about the commute. I mean, to get serious for one second. Yeah. Think about how much money we've all saved for ourselves and our families by not commuting and eating all that food that we used to eat and paying for all that mm-hmm. transportation, all that gas. Oh my God. It, it's such, it's going to be a radical re-entry right. for so many, so many folks. Right. And I think people, families have, you know, at least in some circumstances, been able to spend more time together precisely because mom and dad have been working from home. And yes, it has been crazy not to, you know, that's been this huge challenge, but I think we've all learned or a lot of us have seen that, oh, I didn't think this was possible. And, and I was one, I, I never thought I could work from home because I thought I would be, you know, like tempted to do laundry, but somehow I'm not. <laughs> so, <laughs> somehow, well, because, like, <laughs> because we're not wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. This I couldn't been, help it. Sorry, yes. I worked in comedy. Yes, I, I mean, but you're, yeah, you're a, a, a an old radio <laughs> guy, media guy. So this is you make a delightful conversation. This has been so much fun. So just let's end. Just give us lay on us, Rob. Just like one communication tip, since this is a communication skills podcast, and we're this has all been about on the job hunt. But just overall, you're very engaging. You know how you're not to be boring. Like, What do you think is the most important thing related to communication? Wow. I'm going to make you laugh because if you haven't figured this out in 44 minutes, I'm a long-winded guy. The best thing you can do when you're going for your next best job is be concise. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, you can hire me. I can help you with that. I can please hire Laura and, <laughs> and and get her, you know, to tell me how to shut up because I just go on and on and on. But it really is important to be clear, to be concise, to be confident. We talk about this a lot in the book. I'll I'll, I'll end on this. Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Don't just go cold into any job interview. Call a friend that loves you, especially a friend who knows you not just in your personal life, but a friend who knows you in your professional life and get them to rehearse you with questions that include the stupid softballs, the unexpected curveballs, and then a whole lot of hardballs so that you're really ready to play this game. You know, it's it's so important. We talk in the book about the fact that somebody made this crazy rule that every single first interview has got to be 30 minutes. Well, 
that's precious time right there. And if you're going to win the real game, which is called get the second interview, Mm -hmm. then you've got to be prepared for all of what might be coming at you. And let's face it, the only way to do that is to rehearse. But I don't know a lot of people who do it. So just call your best friend and go, hey, look, I've got an interview Thursday at four o'clock. Could you make some time for me like Wednesday, anytime Wednesday, and give me just 30 minutes and we're going to like do this. And then you send the person, you know, as much as they can read up in advance about the company and tell them to be a hard ass. You know? Right. <laughs> and that, that's a fun role to play. Sometimes I do that with clients and I love getting to pretend to be mean. So that, that and is great confidence building. So that, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rob. This has been awesome. So uh, insightful. His book is Next Job, Best Job, which is, by the way, a very good title, very memorable. And uh, you can, of course, get that on uh, Amazon and where books are sold. His website is robbarnettmedia.com. And that's a wrap for today. And thank you all for listening, for being part of this conversation, for listening in on all the job news that Rob and I have shared. And until the next time, Bye-bye.